Hello, you are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. I've, uh, I've asked a couple of worship leaders to come up. We're just going to worship for a few more minutes, if that's okay. We've been talking about take, you know, keeping the ground that you, you acquired. So I, we take some ground in worship, and then as we uh, have announcements and have some fun, I just want to bring us right back to that place of worship. And um, so we don't really have a way to do this other than uh, y'all grab a mic. And um, will you just set our affections upon him? His presence is synonymous with his face. We're called to be seated in heavenly places. We're called by a new name and a new constitution. And we worship the king together. So we'll just lift up our voices together. The Lord, uh, we want the one of the qualities of our house to be that you could sing a new song on demand, anytime, because out of the abundance of your heart, the man and the woman sing. <laughs> you speak, you sing. What's in my heart? What I want to come out of my heart is not anxiety, but worship. It's not lack, but it's worship. So we lift up our voice to you, O Lord. We come together with you, O God. We sing a new song. We say, let our hearts burn, God, for you. We come with expectation. Oh, you are worthy. You are mighty, God. You are holy. You are the burning one, God. You are worthy, God. Praise the King. We lift our voice to you. We lift our hearts to you. Oh, you are open, heaven's gate. You are worthy, God. Worthy Same today, same tomorrow. Oh, 
we say yes you are not shaken so i will we not be shaken you. you are not shaken we so open our i will hearts not to be shaken my life sits in the person of jesus my life sits in My life sits in the person of Jesus. In my comings and my goings. In my comings and my goings. Worthy, worthy, worthy. Stay up here for a minute, and uh, y'all stay in an attitude of worship. And uh, I'm going to just switch gears kind of totally. I want to just recognize a couple of things that have happened just in our midst. They're great things. And Masio, would you come up here? I forgot to recognize you. Come on up, Masio. So come stand right here with me. So Masio, uh, a month ago... In, Got, was able to obtain her U.S. citizenship, so she is, <laughs> yes, and was it six months? So what normally takes 18 months, two, three years, sometimes six months, she was able to do that, and uh, you know, our country is richer today with Maciel as a citizen of the United States of America. She's uh, hardworking. She loves her country. She, uh, she's a great uh, daughter, spiritual daughter. She, she's a part of this house. She's, uh, she's made our country more beautiful. She's, uh, and so that's what it's all about is... Um, is people coming and making our country better. She told me something, uh, although not married yet, she said, that was a bigger deal than my wedding day. <laughs> Am I embarrassing you? 
Like, that just struck me. Like, not many, uh, those of us who were just given our citizenship for nothing. And I didn't have to fight for it. I didn't have to go pay lawyers for it. I didn't have to run through a lot of hoops for it. I don't think of it like my wedding day. But I just, uh, you know, those, those who, when you work for something really hard, you appreciate it. So y'all say thank you to Maciel. <laughs> You're awesome. I was going to ask her to do a 10-minute talk, but she said no. So uh, then uh, another kind of really cool thing that happened last weekend was uh, four of our folks, if they, would you all stand? Dan and Quinn, Brent, Stephanie, Stephanie here, Stephanie's over there, so... Please, y'all come on up, come on up, come on up. So, if you didn't know, <laughs> this, this uh, falls under, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, but they ran a hundred mile race last weekend, each, each one ran a hundred miles and finished, not a, not a 25 each, 100 each, 32 hours, run, 28 for uh, Stephanie, Stephanie's the gifted one, uh, girl power, <laughs> ladies do these uh, ultra runs as well as men out here, so uh, when it gets into really difficult things, women can hang with the men, and, uh, or beat them, beat them. I stand corrected. I saw who said that. But, uh, you know, the contrast was, uh, Lindy and I, we're living in this, uh, where we have to, these apartments where we, go, we have to, like, 52 steps to get up, and, uh, while they were running 100 miles, Lindy said, will you go down and get that? And I said, no, it's too hot. I'm not going down the steps again. So, you know. Despise not small beginnings. So, so y'all give them a big hand. If you like. yeah. Woo! Yeah. One of the things we do in ministry school is we put a mic under someone's mouth and say, sing a new song. And it doesn't matter if they can sing or not. It matters about trying. It matters about their heart. And so um, let's just go back into worship again. If you are having trouble finding a song, you're having trouble worshiping in public, uh, just, just mark that. Mark that day. Say, Lord, let's grow that in me. Grow that in me. There's a grace that everyone has a new song whenever they want it. Grow that in me.
So um, why don't we start? One of y'all just give us a new song. You can Throw have them. my every breath. You can have my every breath. You can have my every breath. My life a living song. My life a living song. Yes. You can have my every breath. You can have my every breath. You can have my every breath. My life a living song. We worship you, we worship you. King Jesus, we worship you. Every morning we rise with a new song. We rise with a new song. Our hearts overflowing. Our hearts overflowing. Worthy, worthy is the King. Worthy, worthy is the King. Worthy, worthy is the King. Rise every morning. I rise every morning and say, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. Worthy, worthy God. Worthy, worthy God. Worthy, worthy God. You are worthy. Worthy, worthy God. You are worthy. Breath to breath and heart to heart. Hear your voice in the morning. Every time I open my eyes, there you are with me. I get to walk with you. It's where I always long to be with you here in this secret place. Oh, I only want to be where you are. I only want to hear your voice sweetly speaking in the morning. Lord, my song to you. How I love that you will sing to me. Even when I've got my mind on busy things. But that walk in the cool of the day. Lord is just for me and you. Come and take a walk in the garden. Place just for he and you. Let him sing a song of life and love and light. And lift your heart. For when 
to hear your song sing it over me sweeter than the song of angels you are the prince of peace you give me a piece of your kingdom you are the Prince of Peace, and we get a piece of your kingdom, yes. your royalty, your worthy, and you tell me that I'm royalty, I'm worthy. You are the Prince of Peace, yes. and you give a piece of your kingdom. Yes, 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 yes. Amen. Oh, thank you all so much. Thank you so much. And if you would uh, just open your Bibles to Matthew 5 or click in that spot. Thank you so much, y'all. If you're looking at it on your phone, we'll be um, reading out of the New American Standard and a little bit out of the Passion, but <clears throat> yeah. So the Sermon on the Mount, the Sermon on the Hillside, maybe one of the, maybe the most famous sermon ever. Early in Jesus' ministry, he'd been, he'd been uh, popular enough. People were starting to hear him. He'd been baptized. He had um, been healing the sick. His name was becoming known and people were following. And so there were people following and gathered. It was a message to believers, a message to his disciples. The backdrop of the message is that heaven had been silent for 400 years. Can you imagine? Between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, between the Old Testament and the New Testament, 400 years of silence. Can you imagine? We felt the presence of God today in worship. It's not hard to hear a prophetic word around here or get to know someone who's been healed can you imagine 400 years of silence? Some of you, you're not hearing from the Lord in 40 minutes. You're bothered. <laughs> 40 hours. 40 days is a recession. 40 months is a depression. 40 years is Armageddon. 400 years of silence and the Son of God comes on the scene. Not just a messenger from God. Sure, John the Baptist, the one crying in the wilderness. John the Baptist says there's one coming. John the Baptist introducing the kingdom. Isn't it funny how God doesn't introduce the kingdom with the upright and the, and the, the, the nice $3,000 suit? And the perfect hairstyle 
It's John the Baptist. He's got stuff in his hair. It's not product. Jesus said, I'm going to introduce him with John the Baptist, my son. I'm introducing him with John the Baptist after 400 years of silence. When I first, my first impression of the Sermon on the Mount was Jesus, you know, hippie Jesus, light skin, kind of brown hair, not very masculine, kind of the one you see in some of the movies, sitting on a little boulder, sipping a latte, talking to the disciples. And then, then as I got to learn more about the Matthew 5, I don't really like Matthew 5. It's too hard. I'd for, kind of forgotten about what's in Matthew 5 when I said I'm going to preach about it. And I started studying it this week. like, oh, I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to talk about that. There were lots I didn't want to talk about. Jehovah Sneaky. Get you talking about it. So let's just jump in. It's never a bad day when you worship long, is it? I have friends that don't come to this church because we worship too long. I have preacher friend that doesn't come to this church because we worship too long. I'm like, you're admitting that? It's like an athlete, like, it's like an athlete saying, I can only run a mile. You guys are doing 10Ks on Sunday morning and I can't, I can't hang with you. I'm like, you're an athlete. Well, go work on it. You're a preacher. If you can't worship 45 minutes, you should be ashamed. <laughs> Repent. Get in shape. Get in shape. Get in spiritual worship shape. You sh- we should be in so much shape, we're like, let's go longer. Let's go longer. Could we stay after school, preacher? We're building. We're laying a foundation for the greatest wave of worship the world's ever known. That's what our worship leaders are declaring. And it takes you. It takes you. Like when we're saying the house can have a new song, that's an invitation. That's our nice way of saying, go get a new song. Like if you want, we're trying to build something and it takes you. So if you don't have a new song, when you want it, work on it in the shower, in, you know, in the car doesn't have to sound good. It has to come from a good heart. It'll start sounding good. Verse 3, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 400 years of silence. 400 years of silence. And it's not just a messenger from God, it's God. We, we know it, you know, you know it's God the Father's God. We all have that down. Jesus the Son is God too, right? We, we've got that down. Holy Spirit, he's God. Holy Spirit's not an it. Holy Spirit's not a warm, fuzzy feeling in worship. Holy Spirit's not your weird uncle that you hide at Thanksgiving. Holy Spirit's person. He's God. He's magnificent, and he only does big things. The Holy Spirit... He's magnificent. Blessed are the poor in spirit, 
for theirs is the kingdom of God. So God comes on the scene after 400 years of silence. And his most famous sermon, opening line, think it's worth something? You think he's thought about it? Is it a surprise? Is he winging it? Oh, I'll just get up there and say whatever comes. No, blessed are the poor in spirit. He's saying the entrance way to my kingdom is different than you think. What are they expecting? They're expecting another Moses. Deliver us from the oppressive Rome. They're expecting Jesus on the horse, the warrior, to come win the battle for them. He's coming counterculture. He's coming the opposite of what they would expect. They're living in a culture, the Jewish culture, where bigger's better, richer's better. And his first line is, come poor in spirit. Blessed. Now, blessed is a word that is hard. Sometimes when you go from one language to another, one word doesn't fit the word of the other language. In the Aramaic language of blessed, in fact, in the Passion, it, it speaks of it it's so, so well. And it, it talks about blessed is a bigger word. It means enriched, happy, fortunate, delighted, blissful, content, blessed. Bli- I'm blissed. I'm, I'm more than blessed. I'm blissful. I'm enriched. I'm happy. I'm delighted. Joyful are the ones who come into my kingdom, poor in spirit. There's no other way. Jesus is standing there as God. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the door. But I talk about the the dwarf door. Lindy and I used to date at the original dwarf house in Hapeville, and uh, she she blessed my heart because I had no money, and I'd say, you want to go... Want to go steak and ale? You want to go to the dwarf house? She'd say, the dwarf house. I said, that's my girl right there because I only got like $12 in my pocket. So, But, you know, there's a door that's about, about three and a half feet high. It's the dwarf door. The door is Jesus. The door is three and a half feet high because you got to go in low. You got to go in like a child. You got to go in humble. No other way into our kingdom, our Lord's kingdom. Go in low. Go in low in spirit. That's what it takes. I've often wondered why the rich and famous don't go to churches like ours in general. There's some, but not many. I think I offended somebody in the crowd like, I thought I was rich and famous. So... In general, there's one or two exceptions in the crowd. I'm sure one of you are there. They don't go to our kind of churches. My history in churches was first 17 years, never been in church. Next seven or eight years, went, I went to the rich and famous church. My school was right across the street from First Baptist. I could walk there. I didn't have a car in college, first few years of college. And I'd walk to First Baptist Atlanta and Charles Stanley. He was, he was Mr. He was it. He still is it. But when he was 45, he was it. And it was rich and famous church. And then we started going to charismatic, not rich and famous churches. <laughs> and uh, many of us went to ACC 
It was uh, built right where the fifth runway is, and they had kudzu growing inside the church. It was not rich and famous church. The, the, the children's nursery looked like a dungeon. It was not rich and famous church. Why? I think the Lord sometimes puts up barriers into Holy Spirit churches. And, and he, there's a barrier into kingdom kind of things also. There's a barrier. Uh, we've spoken in tongues here. It's a barrier. Speaking in tongues is a barrier because it's not, it's, it's opposite our normal mind. And it can, it, it, it puts you in a camp of that guy. The, and the, I think the Lord uses things like that to say, you're going to have to come in humble into this kingdom. It's going to look different in this kingdom. Poor in spirit, I, I, my hero of poor in spirit is William Seymour of the Zuzu revivals. Poor in spirit. Think about his testimony. As an African-American man, he was not, they made him sit outside on the porch looking into the window to hear some of the great teachers of our day. Think about that. This is 1900. Some of the great preachers of our day, we still had that level of prejudice. And he would have been so easy for him to say, I'm out of here. Look at these verses. You guys are out. You guys aren't in this area. You're wrong. But he was so hungry from God, for God that he just, he was so poor in spirit. He was so humble. He said, I'll sit outside the window and hear the word of God preached. And then at Azusa, the Holy Spirit asked him to wear a lampshade on his head before he preached. Can you imagine? Put it on. Wait 30 seconds. Wait three minutes. Wait 30 minutes till I tell you what to preach. Would I be humble enough to do that? Would you be humble enough to go to a church where the pastor did that? It'd be hard. Your friends, are, your friends say, oh, you go to that lampshade preacher church. And, and they're not being kind. They're mocking you. You're the lampshade church. We're laughing, but it's real, right? You go to that tongue-talking church. And he'd sit with a lampshade. And take it off and preach God's word. Blessed are the poor in spirit. And through that man and that ministry... The ministry of the Holy Spirit, the ministry of the baptism was, was all but dead in the church worldwide. Revival brings death things to life. As God revived that gift through William Seymour in 1906, now it's reported that over 600 million believers have had an encounter with the baptism of the Holy Spirit worldwide.
You think you're in a minority. You might be in the southeast, but not in the world. Actually, for the first time ever, more have experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit than have not. You're not in a minority. Go to Korea. Go to Latin America. Go to Africa. Even the, the Baptist Methodist Church, they're all, they're all baptized in the Holy Spirit. Right, Sherry? Almost? Don't, don't disagree with me right now. I'm vulnerable. Just nod your head and talk to me later. There was a little hesitation there. I was feeling a little uncomfortable. God used the humble in spirit to revive a gift that now we enjoy. Blessed are the poor in spirit. So he's saying you've got to come humble. You've got to come grateful. You know, success, sometimes dealing with success is more difficult than dealing with failure. Because there are fewer role models. So let's be, let's just remind ourselves as God gives you success, be humble. What does it look like? Sometimes humility, humility looks like showing up on time. Sometimes humility looks like how you treat people when you're in a position of power. If you're the boss at work and someone makes a mistake, it costs a lot of money, are you hard on them or do you make a point and retreat? Do you grind it or do you... Humility is kind and gracious. How do you treat people that are serving you? You know, I was in a restaurant last week with an another believer, and uh, they were treating the server with disdain. They were not looking at them. They were bossing them around. I'm like, ugh, this doesn't feel good. Humility, one, one thing it's good to do in business is treat the people you're doing business with as if money was not being exchanged. Like, how would you treat the server if, she was just doing that. He was just doing that for you. And there was no money. There was no tip. There was no, would you look him in the eye? Would you be grateful? It's funny. Some of my biggest clients in my business are the most grateful and humble. And some of the smallest ones are the least grateful and least humble. By humility. And fear of the Lord are honor and riches and life. He stood there as God. He stood there before, before them as the constitution. They, were, they grew up where their constitution, the Hebrews loved their law, the Ten Commandments, the 613 laws. He stood there as the fulfillment of the law. He was the fulfiller. He was the only one who lived it without fault. He stood there as their constitution. He stood there as the son of God. He stood there as life eternal. He stood there as the I am. 
He stood there and said, I'm bringing you a new kingdom. It's radical. As I've been reading Matthew 5, it's radical. It's actually impossible. I used to, I used to read this chapter thinking, you know, mellow Jesus. And then I began to think, read it. It's impossible, these words. And now I'm reading it inspired. Have you ever had someone believe in you more than you believe in yourself? Someone who said, I know you can do it. Like Michael Edwards. Where is Michael Edwards? Hey, stand up, Michael. Michael's running for town council and Tyrone, seeing all his signs. So, so Michael, let's, you know, so I, like, say someone came to you. I, I imagine someone came to you, and I don't know the story, but I imagine someone came to you and said, I believe in you enough, you should run. Did that happen? More than one time. And have they said things bigger than town council? They have, haven't they? Have we talked about this? I don't know this story. No. So they said you should run for Congress one day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, as, so maybe, maybe, you sh- maybe people have said, you know, I could see you as a con- not just a state congressman or state senator, but a U.S. congressman or a U.S. senator. I see you in that. Like, you may never have seen yourself there, right? Okay, so someone, okay, this is a great example. I'm glad it's working out. So, <laughs> preparation is really important, but this is even better. So, like, someone, like, if I saw, if I said, Michael, I, I could see you as a U.S. congressman and really having an impact on our nation, and had you never thought that about yourself, it could actually kind of, Oh, okay. Well, let me think about that. You could pull you, right? Like, it, see, profe- the pr- yeah. encouragement. Encouragement is a great word. On within, courage. Courage within. Uh, cur- encourage puts courage within. And, someone profe- and the prophetic is cool because God is speaking through someone and seeing something you can't see in yourself. Like, oh, I see you as a sinner. Like, we're gonna, you're going to experience one of the most beautiful ministries of of the prophetic next Sunday. But it's actually prophetic right now. So you, you're, you're, I mean, this ain't bad. So, 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 like when someone sees you doing something you didn't see yourself, it's, the prophetic actually can pull you into your destiny. That's why it's great to, to value your prophetic words because I can see you there. Amen. If you can see him there, clap your hands. So, yeah, yeah. So, thank you. So that's good. So that's good. So, so Lindy and I, we were uh, we were finishing up first year school of ministry, and similar kind of story is this. So. Uh, Bill's assistant, Judy Franklin, she grabbed us and she, she said, I, she started prophesying, I see stuff in you. And she was talking about us 
being in leadership in the church, and we were in business. We had no desire to be in leadership in any kind of church world. And, um, and she just started opening up things that we didn't see in ourselves and pulling the prophetic, pulling us into our destiny. It's good, isn't it? And so Jesus is prophesying to these folks, happy, blessed are you. Jesus, the Son of God, is doing that. Flip over to 2 Corinthians 5.21. This is a familiar verse, but a verse that um, I hadn't seen in a while. It's, it's the great exchange verse. It's the great exchange. And in the Passion, it says, For God made the only one who did not know sin. Very important that you, you, in our doctrine, Jesus did not sin. The only one who did not sin. He set apart from everyone else. We have this in common. All of us have sinned. Every single one of us are brothers and sisters in that we have all sinned and fell short of the glory of God. But he's the only one who hasn't sinned. And he became sin for us. If I let that sit in my spirit, I've had church. The only one who hasn't sinned became sin for us, the great exchange. Everyone that hangs on a tree is cursed, the old covenant says. He became a curse for us. He literally became sin for us. God, in his wonderful wisdom, solved the tension of all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. And it's my will that every one of you would be saved. How does he resolve the tension? He resolves the tension in 2 Corinthians 5.21. For God made the only one who did not know sin to become sin for us. The, penalty, the wages of sin is death. The wages of our sin was death by Jesus, the only one who has never sinned. And he, so that we who did not know righteousness might become the righteousness of God through union with him. Catch the exchange? No sin, sin. Righteous, not righteous. Bam, bam. Bam, bam. That's why we sing. That's why we dance. That's why we shout. That's why we live in Jubilee. That's why we, we, li we were, he's coming after 500 years of silence to a people who have been chained to the first Adam. The first Adam who sinned by his nature, by our bloodline. We're all sons and daughters of Adam. And by the first Adam, we've been chained to that sin. And we had to sin. Because it was in us. It was in our DNA. It was in our bloodline. Understand that? Yeah. 
And Jesus became our righteousness. Jesus became a curse for us. Jesus broke the chain. We were, had a dog collar on us back to the first Adam. You, were, you had to sin. I had to sin. I couldn't will my way out of it. I couldn't educate my way out of it. Sin. Dog collar. Chain. And when we sing that song, he broke the, he, he took, we, we, how does it go? Chains over our head. <laughs> Stuff's coming out, but it ain't sounding right. Where's one of my worship leaders? Holding broken chains above their head. Holding broken chains above their head. I just... I, I imagine myself and all of you in a parade. It's going down Peachtree Street, and there's a ch- broken chain. Hold, when we sing that song, I can't help but think, holding broken chains above our head. Jesus broke the chain, that dog collar around by the first Adam, and he realigned us to the second Adam, Jesus. His righteousness, not mine. You're not a professional sinner anymore. You literally, when he broke the chain, I don't have to sin. I'm not saying I never sin. I'm saying I don't have to sin. Catch that? And Jesus is laying a super high bar on Matthew 5. That's where I was going with Michael. You probably thought I lost track. You may have thought I lost track. You may have thought I was standing up here thinking, why did I go there? But I'm inspired by Matthew 5 Because he is speaking to us about a standard of living in his kingdom that feels impossible. Now, I can feel discouraged when I watch it, or I can say, you believe in me that much? You see in me something I don't see in myself? Yeah, I do because of 2 Corinthians 5, an exchanged life. I do because I see my Holy Spirit, God, living in you, sealed. says every believer, not just charismatic believers, every believer sealed by the Holy Spirit in Colossians. Give your life to Christ. He comes and seals. It's like the Holy Spirit is like a deposit It's a down payment. You go buy a car, you put a down payment on, hold the car. It's a down payment. This thing happening in us with the Holy Spirit is a down payment of something bigger, better, greater coming. There's an exchange of righteousness. He says, I pulled you out of darkness and I've pulled you and yanked you out of darkness and I've put you in a kingdom of light. Let me tell you about this kingdom. You come in low.
I thought I'd be further along than the first verse with three minutes left. <laughs> but we'll come back to it. I want you to read these two chapters over the next few weeks and we'll come back to it. I'm going to randomly ask you if you have been, you'll feel bad if you don't. <laughs> I'm going to come up to you individually and ask you, not a general big question, like just you. Lindy said, no one's going to want to talk to me for a few weeks. Verse 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. There's a call he says, I want you to be pure in heart. Verse 4, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those of you who are hungering and thirsting to be righteous, for you'll be satisfied. He's come after 400 years of silence, and these are his words. Blessed are the pure in heart, for you'll see God. You'll be in my presence. Reminds you of the psalm that says, Who can ascend unto the hill of the Lord? But he who has clean hands and a pure heart. We should check our motives. I've been catching myself like, like when you're in a business transaction or you're talking about relationship stuff, like, Try to get your, all your motives out there. Full disclosure. Let me tell you what I'm thinking. Full disclosure. Here's how this benefits me. Full disclosure. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. We were talking about this verse in our staff meeting Tuesday and Dan. Remind us, it doesn't say blessed are the peacekeepers. It's the peacemakers. There's no peace without the prince of peace. You carry the prince of peace. I'm convinced no one in the world carries true peace except believers who are carrying his peace and recognizing his peace. Peacemakers, because it's your identity. Not policemen, not keeping the peace, carriers of peace, bringing peace. It's tangible. It's real. You know the scripture that talks about when you, when you, go, into, when you go into someone's house, Jesus was telling the 70, like he was giving them instructions into ministry, the 35 couples that were going out. They weren't couples like husband and wife. They're like two by two. The 70 that went out. He said, when you go in someone's house and it's a godly family, release your peace. If they're not, don't leave it. 
you, that verse implies it's like tangible, like it's going. You can feel it. I bet many of you, your home is peace. People have told you, I feel peace in your home. Lenny and I have heard that so many times in our home, that it carries peace. It's tangible. We carry peace in the midst of storms. In the midst of bad news, believers can carry peace. In the midst of lack, like Jen was sharing in the offering, we look to the source. We carry peace. My, my day job, I, my, my boss of 30 years, is a great man. He's a great man. Um, on his lowest day, on his darkest day of his brilliant career, on his day of deep betrayal and deep disappointment and deep hurt, his wife said, he, uh, Stevie, he went into your office and sat and closed the door because he feels peace there. Peace is tangible. There's no peace like other than the Prince of Peace. As you read Matthew 5, 6, part of 7. Read it these next week or so more than once with a, the heart that God spoke these words as his most famous sermon. Isaiah 61, his mission statement. The Sermon on the Mount, the entrance into the kingdom. A new way of living for his people. And when you get to the verses that feel difficult or impossible, like, be perfect, that's one. <laughs> one of my ten, top ten least favorite verses in the Bible, be perfect. Look at it from a different perspective, from the one that's calling you higher. That's the one that sees his righteousness on you and not your own. The one that says, I'm putting my Holy Spirit in you and I'm speaking and I'm giving you a grace that you can actually accomplish this. You can't do it on your own. You do it from the beginning. Pour in spirit and I'm gonna, if you'll let me live my life through you, you can do this. It's incredible. It's amazing. It's inspiring to me. We could actually live this lifestyle. It's a call on this church. We talk a lot about reigning in life. Talk about sons and daughters of the Most High. But the Sermon on the Mount is how you live to get there. And Christians' lives and the world's lives are unfortunately mingled and not as distinct as they ought to be. 
the Sermon on the Mount is a very distinct culture from our world's culture. He says, come unto me, my kingdom. I'll live through you. My spirit will enable you to live into this seemingly impossible standard. He sees you that way. He paid a price for us to be that way. We don't just get to reigning in life by declaring it a hundred times. It actually takes living it out, walking it out, a thousand acts of obedience on our road to our proper identity. Obedience opens the light, and he is the light. Your sons of the day and your daughters of light. And the Son of God stood there and said, this is how I see you. So, Lord, I pray that we would be that people, sons of day, daughters of the light, the righteousness of God in Christ, holy, called. We thank you, Father, that you are the one who broke the chains. We stand with chains broken above our heads. We stand as ones with our heads reaching toward you, gazing upon the Lord, glancing at these other things. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all this other stuff will work itself out. Gaze upon the Lord and glance at the other stuff. We pray in Christ's name and all the people said, Amen, amen, amen. Y'all are awesome, awesome, awesome. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To stay connected with Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com.